Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. We're going to read from Acts chapter 4, two verses, and then John chapter 20, also two verses. Acts 4, 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, everybody say great power, the apostles gave witness, everybody say gave witness, to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace. Everybody say great grace. Great grace was upon them all. So with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. By the help of the Lord, I want to speak for a few moments on the occasion of Easter 2021 and we're so glad that all of you are here. We're especially glad to have several students from Urshan College, amen, are here from St. Louis. Amen. And of course, our own Camerons, Barry and Williams, are back home. Is Lene here? Lene Hearn is not here, but we celebrate her life as well. My subject today is entitled, The Witness of the Resurrection. I pray that before we leave this place, if there is not already, that there will be a witness of the resurrection. And everybody that's going to help me preach by saying amen at least one time may be seated. Most of you got your amen already out of the way. I could use one or two more along the way. Every one of us here today are a witness or we bear witness to something important that has happened to us. Each of us are a testimony of an event or a connection with people that have had an impact on our lives. Perhaps you are a witness to the power of the influence of your family, negative or positive. Perhaps you are a witness to the power of education that you have been blessed to receive. Or maybe you are a witness to the power of marriage, especially if you are married to a queen like I am. Maybe you are a witness to the impact of being a parent. Everybody that's got a baby that's less than six months old, would you hold that baby up? Look at this. The Santa, oh, <laughs> little Zara, she's the new, oh, look at there. Right there, we got the little Bryles, number six. Look at that. We've got the, we got the Barleys over here. Quan, where's Quan and Anna? There, there's Quan. There she is. Just lift her up anyway. There she is. <laughs> Amen. And if you are parents, mother and father together, and you have one child, that's amazing. Two, it's one-on-one. Three, you're outnumbered. What an impact. 
There can be absolutely no question that the event that has had the greatest impact on the world, greater than the invention of nuclear weapons, greater than World Wars I or II, greater than an assassination of any political or pop iconic personality, would have to be the impact of the resurrection. And I don't need to say the resurrection of who, because it's only happened one time. (laughs) Now, others were resurrected from the dead, but not by their own power. But Jesus said, amen. If you destroy this temple in three days, I am going to raise it up. Amen. Jesus raised himself from the dead, proving that he is God. Are you thankful that you know that today? Amen. There's only one resurrection and the faith of every believer around the world centers on this one spectacular, supernatural, miraculous, unprecedented event. In fact, all of human history, the door of human history swings on the hinges of that cataclysmic moment when Jesus came out of the grave and presented himself alive both to believers and to unbelievers the same. 1,985 years ago. Let me ask you a question. If you lived in the first century and you were a betting person and wagering, would you put your money on the powerful Roman government or on a nondescript rabbi out of Nazareth? You probably wouldn't have bet your money, amen, that who would still be in existence 2,000 years later. But I'm telling you that the Roman government has come and gone, but Jesus Christ is still here and he's still alive and he's the same yesterday and today and forever. Every one of us today have been impacted in one way or another by the resurrection. Some say that it did not happen. Some try to explain away the resurrection, and I'm not going to unpack the fallacies of attempting to explain the empty tomb. Suffice it to say that if the resurrection did not happen, if it was fabricated, if it was an invention of the followers of Jesus as his enemies claimed, then I have bad news today. If the resurrection did not happen, Paul said, we are yet dead in our sins. But I'm so glad they came too late to tell me that Jesus never did resurrect from the dead because I'm a benefactor. Amen. My sins have been washed away. My life has been changed. Amen. I am a before and an after picture. Are there any before and after pictures in the house today? Has Jesus made the difference? Then with great power, there is a witness. Amen. I feel that witness of the resurrection in this house today. Hallelujah. And here's the thing about the resurrection. This is what's sobering. We've celebrated. We danced. Well, I sort of did a two-step. Amen. 
Amen. When I saw Brother Tinsley, I danced a little bit. Amen. But I danced even greater for the Lord. Amen. And celebrated him. Praise God. Here's the thing. This is what's sobering about the resurrection. If the resurrection did occur, then every human being that has ever lived, and certainly every person who is alive today, whether they are in a Christian church or not, they must make a decision about what they're going to do with the resurrection. Nobody can ignore the resurrection. Nobody has authority to say, well, 2,000 years ago, a nondescript rabbi from Nazareth, nothing good's ever come out of Nazareth. That makes no difference to me. Listen, you cannot ignore the resurrection and get away with it. Amen. Nobody can roll their eyes at the resurrection and walk away from it. Nobody can pretend like it never happened because the Bible said one of these days, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. And I'm going to tell you that day will not be a day of rejoicing. That day will be a day of confession that will be forced. Every person who ever reject Jesus Every person who ever wrote him off, every person who, who like perhaps Karl Marx, who said religion is the opiate of the masses. I've got news for Mr. Karl Marx. One of these days, your knee is going to bend. Your head is going to bow. You are going to be forced to declare that Jesus is the son of God, that he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. I'm so glad I'm not on the wrong side of the resurrection, but I'm on the right side of the resurrection. I've already bowed my knee. I've already declared my affinity. I've already made him my savior and my Lord. And if he's your savior today, clap your hands and shout unto God. Hallelujah. A witness has tremendous power. For example, a credible eyewitness is undoubtedly the most persuasive and powerful form of evidence admissible in a court of law. In fact, I heard about an accident. It was a head-on collision between two turtles. And the only witness was a snail. And so the police officer came and asked the snail, you're the only witness? He said, what did you see? He said, I don't know, it all happened so fast. A credible witness can testify that they saw something. Amen. And that testimony can put people behind bars. Amen. Or it can break down the uh, prosecutor's case and set them free. Hallelujah. Mm. People are behind bars today. Because of the power of a witness. And others have been set free. Praise God. I'm not preaching to people today who are behind bars. Amen. But I'm preaching to people today that have been set free by the power of a witness. The power of a witness. 
Amen. Have you ever observed a life and you said, whatever they got, I want some of it. Whatever they're drinking, I want to drink it. Whatever they're eating, I want to eat it. Wherever they're going, I want to go. Come on. Amen. The power of a witness. I watched my parents show that it's victorious and it's profitable to live for God. I'm the baby of the family. So I saw my brother and my two sisters demonstrate to me, amen, that it was profitable to live for God. When I got into high school, I saw my friends get high every night after work and I saw the shambles and some of them have made a mess out of their lives. But I decided when I was 16 years old, I'm not doing the drugs. I'm not doing the alcohol. I'm not going to live a life of promiscuity. Amen. I'm casting in my lot with Jesus Christ because I've seen the before and after pictures of people whose lives have been changed. Hallelujah. Amen. And I feel the power of a testimony here today. So before we leave this house, I want you to be convinced beyond a reasonable doubt that Jesus has resurrected from the dead. I have been privileged to tour the Holy Land five times. I have been to the garden where he prayed. Father, not my will, but thine be done. I stood near a olive tree that is 2,000 years old. And I wondered if that's where my Lord sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. I have been down the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering, where he carried his cross. And I have stood in Pilate's judgment hall, and I've seen the Game of Thrones, where they cast lots in the floor. And some of you have seen that. I have stood at the base of Golgotha, where he was crucified. And then I made the short journey to the tomb. You say, do you know it's the tomb? Oh, yes, it is the tomb. It's not a fabrication. It's not just a tourist trap. Amen. It answers every question that the Bible speaks of. It's in proximity to the place of the skull. The place of the skull can be no other place in all of Jerusalem. It's clear that you can see the indentations of the eyes and the nose. And the mouth has been covered by an office a, a bus depot, office depot, by a bus depot, <laughs> amen, that, that has now been built at the place of the skull, amen. There can be no mistake about it, amen. And it's just a short distance to the tomb. The Bible says it was cut out of rock and this tomb was cut out of rock. The Bible said when the women went in there and to the right, there was a young man in white apparel where Jesus had been laid. That's how this tomb is situated. The, the slab is not to the back. It's not to the left. It's not catty corner, kitty corner. It's there to the right where Jesus was laid. Amen. Scientists have went in there and done forensic testing. And it's true what the Bible says, that he would not suffer his Holy One to see corruption. There is no trace of a corruptible decaying person in that tomb because no person has ever been buried again in that tomb in the last 2,000 years. You've come too late to tell me that Jesus didn't pray in that garden, that he didn't walk that Via Della Rosa, that he was not whipped in Pilate's judgment hall, that he did not carry his cross to Golgotha and was nailed there for
for six hours one day on a cross. You come too late to tell me because when you go in that tomb, there is still a witness. He is not here for he has risen. Hallelujah. In fact, I've been to the upper room where just 10 days later, he poured out the baptism of the Holy Ghost and there is a great witness of the resurrection in this house today. Clap your hands to the Lord if you believe it. We have the testimony. We have the testimony of nature surrounding the crucifixion and the resurrection. At noon on the day Jesus was crucified, the sun blackened out. And at 3 p.m., as strangely as it went out, it came back on, which was an unscheduled eclipse. And precisely at the moment Jesus died, the sun shined again. Creation was demonstrating its disappointment in the response of how their creator was being treated. At the moment Jesus expired on the cross, there was a massive earthquake. And the text says that it was so powerful that it split the rocks in proximity. So we have the witness the great witness of creation. We also have the testimonies of resurrected saints. Listen to this. At the moment of the crucifixion, the Bible said that graves were opened. Graves were opened, but they didn't come out of the graves yet. Read your Bible. Three days, the dirt is kicked out of them. And the remains remain in the tomb for three days. And it wasn't until the moment of the resurrection that those dead saints who died under the dispensation of the Old Testament law. Amen. This was God saying, look, if I can bring dead saints who've never been filled with the Holy Ghost out of the grave at the moment I resurrect, what can I do with the saints that go to the grave and are baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is the power of the resurrection? Amen. And the moment Jesus came out of the grave on that first day of the week, there were scores, if not hundreds, amen, of Old Testament saints, some dead a year, some dead five years, some dead 10 years years. Amen. They came walking out of their graves and they're showing up at Seder dinners. Hallelujah. They're showing up at family occasions. Oh my God. Grandpa and grandma's come back. What was it? It was a witness. It was a great witness to the power of the resurrection. We have the adversarial testimony of the soldiers who were paid professionals to keep Jesus in the tomb. How good of a job were they doing? In fact, they had guts to go report that there was an earthquake and the stone was rolled away and an angel was sitting probably like this. Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> Is there a problem here? Y'all look a little mystified. They could have lost their jobs. By going back and saying, you know, the job you gave us to do, we didn't do a very good job. There was an earthquake. The stone was rolled away. There was an angel there. And the high priest said, boys, here's some change. Here's some spare change. And he paid him money to lie. How could those guys sleep another night? 
knowing that there was no other explanation that Jesus was alive. It's no wonder that one of them said, truly, this was the son of God. We have the testimony of the soldiers and we have many times over more eyewitness accounts of the birth, life and events of Jesus than we do Julius Caesar. The credible eyewitnesses of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Actually, not Luke, but Luke later becomes a researcher. He was not present at the moment Jesus resurrected, but he said, I've researched this, guys. I'm a physician by, by a profession, but I've now become a meticulous researcher. And scholars, Christian and non-Christian, agree that the Luke X narrative is meticulously unpacked as if he had went to college, amen, and learned how to give the, the uh, results of Jesus' life. We have 11 eyewitness accounts of the apostles and Paul's appearance of Jesus in Arabia and 500 Paul said at one time saw Jesus alive come on people you've come too late to tell me he's not alive 500 people all at the same time don't tell me amen that all of them somehow got together and fabricated amen the resurrection and we've got more than their witness we have a witness in this house today there is a witness because his presence is here his touch is here his power is here in this place today. We have the credible secular witness of Flavius Josephus, a contemporary historian with Jesus who verified the reports. Is there any doubt that Jesus resurrected from the dead? Are we delusional? Have we been duped? Have we here today been deceived? Was Jesus a liar or a lunatic or was he the Lord? Come on. Was Jesus a liar or a lunatic or he, or is he in fact the Lord? Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you my friends, amen. I'm not the power of just an empty tomb. My life is not demonstrating just the power of an empty tomb. There could be a lot of feasible explanations for an empty tomb, but it's more than that. There's a reason it's empty is because he is alive. He only needed that tomb for the weekend. Praise God. He didn't have to, he didn't have to buy, amen, a burial suit and a casket and a place to be buried. He only needed it for three days and three nights. I'm happy to report to you that there is a great witness of the resurrection in the biblical account of the first century, but there is an equally powerful witness today and I'm telling you why. Because once I was blind, now I see. Once I was a sinner. Amen. There's a man here today. He testified just a few weeks ago. He said, when I first came to this church, he said, I was bound by alcohol and drugs and perversion. He said, there was a black cloud that was following me everywhere I went. But he said, since I've been baptized in the name of the Lord and filled with the Holy Ghost. And since I have a disciple maker in my life, my life is changed. My life is different. I'm telling you, there's a witness of the power of the resurrection in this place. He can change your life. Hallelujah. Think about it. The disciples 
think about the change in the disciples. When Jesus was arrested, their world was shattered. They didn't see that coming. Even though Jesus had been saying for months, I'm going to be taken. I'm going to lay my life down, destroy this temple. If, if I be lifted up, I will draw. Oh, man, unto me, he was speaking of being lifted up on the cross. He's prophesying it. He's talking about it. And now he's been arrested. And they've, from a distance, John being the only one there at the foot of the cross that we know of, of the 12, he witnesses the death of Jesus. And now the word is out. We will not allow those disciples to fabricate the resurrection that we heard Jesus predict. And the disciples are on the most wanted list of Jerusalem. No wonder they're locked behind doors and windows. How else could you explain? The Bible said in Acts chapter 4, they were threatened to not speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus Christ. But all it took was a good prayer meeting and a revisitation of the power and the glory of God. And they're back out on the streets and declaring that Jesus is the Christ. How else could you explain going from being afraid and fearful and dreading for their very, fearing for their very lives. And now they're out on the street corner and they're boldly declaring Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, there's only one explanation for it. Not only did they see him alive again, but now they're baptized and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you, my friends, it's one thing to be a witness of something you can explain, but it's another thing, amen, to be an eyewitness of something you have no explanation for. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how it happened. It's like the blind man who Jesus opened his eyes and they said, how did it happen? Who did it? He said, I don't know if he was a sinner. I don't know anything about this guy. All I know is once I was blind and now I see. Are there any before and after testimonies in this house today? Amen. Would you testify right now by your praise, by your worship, by giving him glory in this house today? Hallelujah. And there's something even more powerful than being a witness to an unexplainable miracle like the resurrection. And that is found in Romans 8, 11, When Paul wrote and he said, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal body. There's something more powerful than just being an eyewitness of the resurrection. And that is to be filled with the spirit that caused the resurrection. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with other tongues, you need to let your Holy Ghost live. You need to let your Holy Ghost out. Dr. Hughes, amen, gave us a prescription last week. Sherry Paget, you took advantage of it. He said, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. And he talked about the power of life and death in the tongue. And he talked about how DNA can be transformed by the verbiage that is spoke. If it's cursed, it will be 
affected, but if it's blessed, it will be given life. And she came over and grabbed one of my arms and grabbed one of John Morgan's arms, her two pastors, amen. And we prayed together in a vortex, as it were, of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I told her today, your color looks better today. She's been told by the doctors that she got cancer in her blood and she's going back for blood work on on April the 9th. And I'm here to declare that Jesus is a healer and we're going to have a before and an after picture in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. I believe there's power in the Holy Ghost. I believe there's power when you have the Holy Ghost. It's something that makes a spirit-filled church different than any church in the world. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh my. And if you're a skeptic here today, you may be seated, all of you students that didn't sleep a wink at youth convention. But they sure worshiped and prayed and shouted. Amen. For any skeptic here today, there's a story in the Bible just for you. So have a nice day. John chapter 20. Jesus appears and Thomas isn't there. Incredible witnesses say to Thomas, we saw him, we touched him, we handled him. Thomas said, no, I'm not believing it. I'm not believing it. You know anybody, if they didn't see it, it didn't happen. I'm not believing it until I can put my finger in the nail print. Until I can thrust my hand into his side. Friends, God will respond to honesty. You remember that guy that came to Jesus one time? He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. God didn't say, well, that's stupid. You ought to believe I'm standing right here. No. Honest honesty. You can't get anywhere with God without being honest. If you have doubts about Jesus Christ, if you have doubts about the authenticity of the Bible, if you have doubts that he is alive or not today, I want you to know he can handle your doubt. He was listening in spiritually to Thomas' conversation, and he said, oh, in eight days, Thomas, I'm going to blow your mind. It'll be a small explosion, but I'm going to blow your mind in eight days. And eight days later, Jesus comes walking in the room, and he says, Thomas, handle me. Touch me. Put your hand in the print. Put your hand in the side. And what did Thomas do? He said, my Lord and my God, He worshiped Jesus as the one true and living God. He worshiped him as God almighty. Hallelujah. Talk about a powerful witness of the resurrection. When I was in my 20s, I was serving a congregation as pastor in southeast Wisconsin. And there was a young lady in our congregation that was dating a young man who was a scientist. He was a trained engineer. He was brilliant. And he was 6'4", about 220 pounds. His name was Frank Bailey. And uh, he was not a believer, but he was not an antagonist. He just had to see it and measure it and calculate it. And, you know, that's what scientists are trained to do. They measure it and they, they observe it and 
certain conditions. And, and so one day I said, Frank, let's have a talk. I said, have you ever touched a pain? He said, well, no. I said, have you ever smelled a pain? He said, no. I said, have you ever tasted a pain? He said, no. I said, have you ever felt a pain? He said, oh, yes. I said, okay, now we have science. You have felt a pain. I said, Frank, if you'll come to church this Sunday, I promise you on the authority of God's word, if you will be honest with your doubts, but you will lift your hands and say, God, if you are real, I want you to feel, I want to feel your presence. I want you to invade my space. Amen. He said, all right, you're on pastor. That next Sunday morning, I preached, I gave an altar call. I was over on that side praying with somebody. I happened to straighten up and I look and here's Frank, all six foot four. He's standing right in front of the pulpit. He's got his hands in the air. Tears are coming down his cheeks. He's blubbering like a baby and he's speaking with other tongues. Hallelujah. Amen. The engine Amen. Took off his lab coat and said, I'm a believer. I see it. Hallelujah. I want you to know that God is anxious to answer your skepticism. He's anxious to remove your doubts. If you will be honest with him today, he will meet you where you are. Somebody clap your hands if you believe it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank the Lord. For a powerful witness of the resurrection. I would like to prove right now that Jesus is alive. I want to prove it by the power of a witness. You know, there was a pastor about a hundred years ago. And he gave a presentation to a large audience. And there was an agnostic in the room. The pastor's name was Henry Ironside. And the agnostic, while the pastor was teaching and speaking, he wrote a note. And he had it slip, someone slipped it to the pastor. And the note said, I challenge you to a debate, Christianity versus Gnosticism. So the pastor read it. He said, I accept the challenge, whoever you are today. You're obviously here. He said, whoever you are, I accept the challenge. He said, you bring to me one person who has ever been changed. Their life has been changed by the power of Gnosticism. And I will show you 100 who have been changed through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Gnostic stood up and he said, I surrender. I can't bring anybody to you that can show you the power of a changed life. Let me tell you something, my friend. Gnosticism never changed anybody. Hinduism, amen, Islam, Confucius, hallelujah. There's only one man that can change a life and that's the man that was in the grave and he's not in the grave anymore and his name is Jesus Christ and he's in this room right now <laughs> oh hallelujah 
You may be seated. The Bible said with great power. That means effectiveness. With great effectiveness gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. So let me ask you a question today. You think knowing what the apostles knew, they saw him die. They saw him alive. They're now filled with the Holy Spirit. They saw his miracles. Do you think that when they preached about the resurrection, they're like, yeah, there was this guy. He's from Nazareth. Whether he was God or not, I don't know. He did a few cool things, you know, fish and chip Sunday and all that stuff. That was fun. And, you know, he'd come out walking on the water and above. And then, you know, I wasn't no big deal. You think that's what they're doing? <sighs> when they're preaching, they were witnesses. We saw him. We handled him. We ate meals with him. He was real, guys. He was not a theophany. He was not a figment of our imagination. In fact, every one of those apostles laid down their life for the gospel. And only because John escaped a vat of boiling oil did he not die a violent martyr's death. Don't tell me that they would have died for a fake Don't tell me they would have died for a fraud. Don't tell me they would have died for a lunatic. If you want a sampling of how they preached, listen to Peter's message in Acts 2, 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst. As you know, he was delivered by the determined purpose of God. You took him with lawless hands. You crucified him and you put him to death. Who's he preaching to? He's preaching to the people that said crucify him just 50 days earlier. And now it's the day of Pentecost. And he's putting the whammy on him. He's not standing up there twiddling his thumbs. He's preaching like I'm preaching to you right now. Amen. He's preaching with authority. He's preaching with gusto. He's preaching with passion. And he says, you slew him. You crucified him. You hung him on a tree. Then he says, men and brethren, let me freely speak to you. The patriarch David, verse 29, that he's both dead and buried in the tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to his flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus has God raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right end of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured this out, which you now see. Everybody say, see. see. And hear. I thank God for an encounter with God that you can see it. Come on. And you can hear it. Come on. You can see it and hear it. 
When you get saved, you don't shake a preacher's hand. You don't pray a sinner's prayer. That's nothing. There's no miraculous event in that. There's nothing supernatural about that. Peter said you're going to see it and you're going to hear it. Jesus told Nicodemus, uh, everyone that is born of the Spirit is born of a sound from heaven. That word sound is the Greek word phone, from which we get the word phonics. And Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, when you get born of the Spirit, somebody's going to be speaking words and it's going to be a sound from heaven and Peter comes alongside and says everyone that is born of the spirit you're going to see something and you're going to hear something is there a testimony today that when you were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, somebody could see it and somebody could hear it oh come on I wish I could get somebody ha <laughs> ha You may be seated. Verse 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both the Lord and Christ. Some people want a Christ. They want a Messiah. They want a Savior. They want their sins washed away. But I tell you something, he's Lord and Christ. Yes, everybody wants to be saved, but who wants a master? Who wants a Lord? Come on. Both Lord and Christ. Am I preaching anybody? You don't just want a Savior. You don't just want a man, a Redeemer. But you want a Lord. You want a master in your life. You want somebody with absolute authority. And here's the good news. If you come under his authority, then you have authority. Both Lord and Christ. What was the result? Verse 37, when they heard this. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, read it with me, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Wait, there's more. For the promises to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Don't tell me that Peter was a wimp when he was preaching this, but he was preaching with the power of a great witness of the resurrection. And the Bible says in the same day, there were 3,000. 3,000 added to the Lord. So let's prove. I want to prove to any skeptic, to any doubter that Jesus is alive. I want you to stand with me. Now watch what happens. Watch what's getting ready to happen. Hallelujah. We're going to prove it. I want you to raise one hand if you've ever seen a miracle. Not just two people, but there's about... 200 that have said, I've seen a miracle. All right, put your hand down. Raise your other hand. Amen. If God has ever answered a prayer that you prayed and you know it was an answer to prayer. Look at this. You Wait a minute. You mean you prayed to an invisible being and then the answer came and you had, yes, we are testimonies. Amen. Come on. Somebody shake your hand at me. If you were ever filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and a sound from heaven came and spoke through you because you heard it with your own ears. 
Oh, hallelujah. Amen. We're proving that Jesus is alive. Let's lift our hands right now and let's say, God, show yourself alive right now. Show yourself alive right now. Show yourself alive right now. Come on. We're demonstrating right now that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Come on, that's pretty weak. Let's try it again. Did he change your life? Did he forgive you of your sins? When you backslid, did he welcome you back? Did he take you back? Did he love on you again? Come on. When you weren't good to him, was he good to you? When you walked away from him, he never walked away from you. Hallelujah. There's a witness today. There's a witness today. There's a lot of Christian churches today, there will be no witness. There will be no anointing. In fact, a lot of churches aren't even open today. But there's a witness here. It would be sad if there was no life at the Life Church. We'd have to change our name. But there is life at the Life Church. Does anybody have pain in your body right now? Barb, you do? You have pain? Do you believe that God can heal your pain today? Do you believe it with all of your heart? Can you identify where the pain is? it in your knee? It's in your arm? It's in your shoulder and arm area? Do you believe that I'm a man of God? Do you believe that I'm a man of a great God? Amen. Then that is a prerequisite to a miracle. How many believes that God's going to take away this pain right now? Lift your hand, Barb, as high as you can. See, she can't even. All right, go ahead. By the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus, I command this pain to go. (laughs) Now praise him. Come on, church. I see that arm going up a little bit higher. I see it going up a little bit higher. Come on. He's a healer. He's a healer. Oh. (laughs) That's it. That's the anointing of the healing. That's the anointing of the miracle worker. She's in this church because she got a hold of something real. (laughs) Ha ha. Glory. We'll come back to her in a minute. I want you to lift your hand if you got pain in your body. Come on, lift your hand in the choir, anywhere. If you got pain, lift your hand. Anybody? I see one over there. Anybody else? There's one back there. Amen. Aaron, do you believe? Oh, yes. In Jesus' name. Mandy, you have pain? You believe? In Jesus' name. 
I want us to speak the word right now. Come on, somebody say, by the power of the word of God and the authority in the name of Jesus, we command the healer to show up. We command pain to leave. <laughs> oh, come on. Somebody say, there it goes. Somebody declare it. There it goes. Oh, there it goes. Hallelujah. Never coming back. Never coming back. <laughs> Mandy said it's gone. The pain's gone. The pain's gone. Aaron, check yourself. Gone. If he's ever healed your spirit, your human spirit, or your emotions since you've come to know Jesus, would you lift your hand and testify? He's healed my spirit. He's healed my emotions. Come on, look at this. This is a testimony. Amen. He's healing you right now. I speak healing over a troubled heart right now. I speak healing over a disturbed spirit. I command the devil to get out. I command torment to leave. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Let's clap our hands and celebrate. If your faith has been lifted and you need something from God today on Easter Sunday, I invite you to either step out into the aisle as a step of faith or step forward into this altar area. Come and join me. Amen. Just come and join me right now. Amen. We're going to speak a word of faith and God is going to do something. God is going to back up his word today. Come on. That's good. Come on. Be safe. Be careful. But come on. Yeah. Steps of faith. Amen. I, I admire this faith right now. That woman with the issue of blood said, if I can just touch. You're creating an act of faith right now. Just feel in where there's empty spaces. Feel in. That's beautiful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh, Alicia, the Holy Spirit is upon you right now. <laughs> oh, keep coming. Folks are coming behind you. Keep coming. Whatever it is that you need, I want you to get it in your mind right now. I want you to get it in your spirit. I want you to think about it right now. Get it in your mind. Whatever that situation is, I want you to lift your hands. 
And I want you to speak over it right now. Take authority over it. Amen. Come on, church, join me by the authority of the word of God. These are not magic words. These are words spoken in faith. And the power, that's it, Tiffany. The Holy Spirit is coming upon you right now. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit come on you, Sarah. Let the Holy Spirit come on you right now. Hallelujah. And the power of the name of Jesus. Let the miracle in Jesus' name. Come on, we've already had a witness. He's here. We've already had a witness. He's here. We've already had a witness. Now somebody shout. Somebody rejoice like you've got it. Somebody thank him like it's already happened. Somebody praise him like it's in your back.